Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Sans Pence Radio, Australia's least coherent podcast network. It's my check, it's my check, the podcast that Mike buys. Hello, horny babies. Welcome back to the Mike Check Republic. It's Mike Check, the only podcast in human history that dares to traverse the filmography of one Mike Myers just to check if it's still shagadelic. I am Cameron James, and I'm joined in this quest, as always, by Sir Alexi Toliopoulos. Oh, Cameron James, my dearest friend, my only comrade in this journey that is going through the entire filmography of Mike Myers just to check if it's still Shagadelic Baby. I say hello. (laughs) After all that, I do say hello to you. Well, thank God, because for a moment I thought you were going to snub me or turn a blind eye. No, no, no. Perhaps even, I don't know... uh, Fart in my general direction. Oh my god, I wouldn't dare, dude. I wouldn't dare. It's been a moment, hasn't it? It's been a tick. It's been a tick it's, since we last talked about it. It certainly has. We've been away from the Mike Czech Republic for a while. We were forced out into the real world. We were forced mm-hmm. at gunpoint to release Finding Drago on the yes. ABC podcast network. To much critical acclaim. We were and to forced... much personal success and pride. <laughs> <laughs> but we learned our investigative skills on this podcast. We learned how to be this examiners. Is where we honed. We honed That's the exactly skills. exactly right. We honed them. And guess what, baby? I'm going to make a little joke. Uh, we freaking boned them, dude. We certainly did. Before there was Drago, there was one man. One man with one puddin' face... And sleeves that went all the way down to his knuckles, basically. Mike Myers. The second nub of the knuckle at times, even. They go all the way up. (laughs) Now, why have we decided to re-enter the Mike Czech Republic? Well, the Mike Czech Republic technically is one of the safest countries in the world right now. And we wanted to get in there, invite you all back as ambassadors. We want to spread a little bit of joy and nothing else. This is joy only. 
This is joy only. This is a joy overload as well. Yes, Bubba, it's a joy overload. We're going to be freaking joying all over the place right now, okay? We're practically teeming with joy right now, okay? We've got joy flying out of our respective wazoos. (laughs) (laughs) And let me tell you, the wazoo keeper is at home uh, on freaking quarantine right now. So the wazoo is loose. The animals are running all over the wazoo right now, and they're going absolutely wazild. Okay, baby? <laughs> it's a crazy time out there in the world, Lex. I don't know if you've popped your head out of your um, adorable little um, Blu-ray studio. I live in the Blu-ray point. studio. You- it's like a cubby house. Yeah, I live inside the Turtle Club at the moment, and um, <laughs> you're seeking shelter within a shell. Okay, yeah, it's scary out there. There's um, there's a lot of lockdowns going on all around the globe. Human beings are being confined to their own spaces. You and I, as well, we're both in our own respective yep. home studios right now. Yes. So if it does sound a little funny, we apologise for that. And Cameron, can I just say, we also pray that this does sound a little bit funny to you guys. Okay, we're trying I mean, to get laughs here. That's all we want. I just want at least one yuck. One yuck a day. <laughs> and I pray for about 20 yums per day, dude. <laughs> Would you rather get a yuck or a yum? I love yums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You love So, you love I prefer yums. them. You prefer? I absolutely. I prefer them. I love them and I prefer them. <laughs> <laughs> but the one place that we've found solace together is here online in the Mike Czech Republic where yep. we are proud to report it is a quarantine-free zone. Yes, we can cuddle up in here. We've been missing the touch, but the touch can exist online, okay? Mike Czech Republic is the only place that is untouched by COVID-19. It is, however, touched by COVID-69, which is interesting. (laughs) And it's it's interesting. Not that funny, but it's interesting. It's definitely interesting. Um, It's a tragically... Yeah, tragically, it's a very similar disease. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, we do have to be similar. careful in here still. But it is very, exclusively, very exclusively passed on via the beautiful act of putting your mouth on someone's genitals whilst at the same time, their mouth is on <laughs> your genitals. It's a give-take scenario, okay? Someone got it because they touched a monkey, okay? <laughs> don't touch they, my monkey. Much like Dita. Please don't touch my monkey. I know. He, he, he warned them to not touch the monkey, and then he said, it's a cheeky monkey. He changed character to Tommy Maitland. Very funny. <laughs> and then they touched the freaking monkey, dude. It's really crazy, but we love it here. I'm, I'm very happy here in the Mike Czech Republic. It's quarantine-free, and it's pants-optional. And... Yeah. Um, it's horny as freaking here, i got to be honest. Yeah, the only thing that you have to wear in the My Czech Republic is one item of clothing, okay? And that is a freaking vintage Austin Powers Spy Who Shaked Me crew member cap. And Bubba, i got a pink one on, and what are you rocking over there? I'm rocking a daisy yellow over here, and I'm loving every second of it. 
And it is beautiful. It is brilliant. It's great to chuck the caps back on. We're littered up for this. We're wearing the classic caps, and they have only increased in value. They are now valued at over $300 a piece, okay? So a good investment for me all these years later, okay? It's a good investment. Okay, buddy. It's all I've got left in this world, okay? Investments. Your many investments. Cameron, it's been a minute since we've done this, obviously, since we've talked about Mike Myers. Uh, When we stopped doing regular episodes of this podcast, one of the reasons for that was because we had run out of flicks. Movies that starred Mikey. That's true. Myers, Well, it's almost true. It's, um... It's we had two left, but we were we had two left. We were too afraid to dive in. We were afraid. Uh, the movie that we've been discussing today is Terminal, which is a thriller that came out in 2018, starring Mike Myers and hopefully one of his regular collaborators, Margot Robbie. From now on, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I remember when this movie was coming out. It was rumored we were watching the trailers. We were excited because it seemed so insane that he was doing this freaking movie. Um, they only had one screening in this country. And it was in a state that was not ours. And this was back in the days where we could cross state lines. Oh, God, remember that. Jeez Louise. It was also back in the days when we didn't have regular jobs and we yes. couldn't afford to cross state lines <laughs> on a whim, which is yes, now, to not to brag, but you know, we have upwards of $69 each. I think yes. we would have sprung for it if it happened now. Uh, they said we can, we will accept one of the caps as exchange for the ticket. Yep. And I said, honey, no, I'm waiting it out. They're going to go up in value. I'm not going to trade it off for some rinky dink flight up to Brisbane, Australia. <laughs> in Queensland to watch one screening and they wouldn't even give us a screening. We did ask the film festival that was playing at to fly us out. They believe that it was not a good investment on their part <laughs> to fly to podcasters to, to help introduce and premiere the first Mike Myers movie in what, 10 years? About that. I think it's been, I think it was about, yeah, eight, eight years or so. Yeah. Eight 2013 or was uh, his film Supermensch that he directed, but yeah. Not a feature, not not a fictional film. I think the last film that he had appeared in was 2009's Inglorious Bastards as an actor. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that special? It's and wild. isn't that crazy? It's special. It's crazy. It's a little horny and it's a little bit scary. I was scared to go into this movie because it had been so long, and it had also been something we'd been praying for for a long time to get Mike mm. back on the silver screen, but not yes. in this way. Yes, we had very like very set stipulations about how we wanted Mike to come back. We wanted him we back wanted, on his own terms. On his own terms, his own project. The guy's the freaking Kubrick of comedy, okay? We yeah. wanted him to be the auteur of the picture. We wanted him to be the leader. I wanted him to be the leader. We wanted it to be Austin Powers 4. We wanted to write the screenplay. We wanted it to be our project. We wanted to be involved. Those were our stipulations. Sadly, and they were not met. None of those were met. What we did get, though was a film called Terminal, starring Margot Robbie and Simon Pegg. Fletcher. And two dudes from Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Mike Myers in a small role. That's what yep. we were given. And i got to say, and it feels bad to say it, but we avoided it. 
We avoided a bit. Also, we didn't have the time. We got hired by the ABC to make a tremendous project that we're still proud of, but it was too hard for us to sit down in a room together and watch a freaking movie, okay? We were saving this movie to watch together, and we only broke this oath to each other because the government, once again, left us no choice. That's right. The government forced us to watch movies individually. That's Mm -hmm. Scott Morrison got... On TV, and he said, no one is to watch a movie with a friend anymore. Exactly. And if this podcast has always been political, every time we've come back, it has been during an election (laughs) or a political crisis. And right now, we've got a health crisis and a political crisis. So it only seemed right to bring this back and once again, try and do our best to, this time, elect a progressive leader to the Australian people. Now, Mike Czech Republic is progressive. It's a republic, (laughs) but we need to, (laughs) and it is tyrannically ruled by two people, but we are, we believe in a God, which is Mike Myers, Uh, but we are in the Mike Chuck Republic. We're going to be talking about Terminal, but before we do that, Cameron, I got something to tell you. What's that? I have been on the computer. Okay, that's cool. Yes, it's one of my most exciting things that I could do during the day, and what I did was I searched for something. And let me tell you, baby, I got some breaking Myers news. Oh, my God. My favorite segment. I forgot all about this. It's Brecken Meyer news. My absolute no, 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 favorite no. part of the show, which is no. where I give a little update on the actor <laughs> Brecken Meyer, who you all know okay. from. Road Trip, Rat Race, Robot yes. Chicken. The movie 54 that he starred alongside Mike 54. Myers with. And uh, I do have some Brecken Meyer news for you. Thank you for reminding me, Lexi. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, we, I, will, I will hear the Brecken Myers news. I will sit by this. Uh, but I do have some Breaking Myers news to break out to the people of the Mike Trek Republic. They've been hanging on. They haven't had an update for a long time. I have no idea what you're talking about. All I know is okay. that it's Brecken's time to shine. And let's get... Get him out there in the sunlight and let that beautiful Texan olive skin (laughs) (laughs) reflect reflect the sun and look beautiful. Can I ask one of the stories? Does it say that Brecken Meyer is Texan? (laughs) No. He's Texas' favorite son? I was just assuming. Oh, okay. Do you think he is? Yeah. I absolutely do not think Brecken Meyer (laughs) is Texan. (laughs) <laughs> I'm willing to bet that Breckenmeyer ain't Texan. Do you reckon dude. he's a New Yorker? Born and born? Um, I reckon he's Canadian or something, like every comedian that we worship. Buddy, i got news for you. Get out. The guy was born in Minneapolis, Minnesota, but he oh my God. was raised in Texas. Get the fuck out. Now, this actually is Breckenmeyer news. This is truly, we're the first people to have ever let this out into the media that Breckenmeyer was raised in Texas, okay? Here's another little bit of Breckenmeyer news that I've just, this is the first time I've ever been on his Wikipedia page. Oh my God, page. can I just... <laughs> I'm like flabbergasted right now because right now I can't believe that you thought, that you intuited that he was Texan. I honestly think I'm on a conference call with the world's smartest man right now. <laughs> this is what I feel like. I'm, re- I'm in all of you. 
you will never get this. This this would never have crossed your mind and probably never can would you, have crossed mine either. But yeah. here's a fact. Can on you his, say, uh, just take that line again of you'll never get this, but say it like Borat in the movie Borat when he's talking about <laughs> <laughs> how his sister would taunt his brother within a cage saying sure, you will sure, never sure, get sure. this. So just do another take for me there. You'll never get this. You will never get this. Ha ha ha. <laughs> this is yeah, good stuff. That's this is awesome. Something that you would never have guessed in a million years, and neither would have I. But this is on his Wikipedia yep. page. It's the last line of his early life section on yep. Wikipedia. dot org slash wiki slash Brecken underscore Meyer. <laughs> That's the official website for Brecken Meyer's Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> the final line of early life is. Um, actually, I'll give you I'll give you the li- the line before it, so you get a full context of how bizarre it is. <laughs> okay. Um, Meyer attended elementary school with Drew Barrymore, and also attended wow. Beverly Hills High School in L.A. As a little boy, he was mostly seen in television advertisements, and also appeared as Ooh. a child participant in the game show Child's Play. Full stop. And then the final sentence is. He also slept in a closed coffin for several years in high school. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> what? Brecken, is this true, Brecken? You slept in an open casket? Well, there's a there's a citation there, and apparently it's from an interview on Conan from 2014. Oh, my God. Brecken, you're a freak, man. Yeah, dude. Freaking Maya, more like. Yeah, freaking Maya. Freaking Maya, dude. All right, that's Brecken Myers news. Now let's get to breaking Myers news. So okay, I did two things for this, Cameron. I reached out to an acquaintance of ours uh, who I know has some communication with Netflix because where we last left you guys was that Mike Myers was in development, producing and starring and writing and creating a Netflix series, a six-part series where he would be playing multiple characters, a comedy of some sorts. Uh, And I want to see if there were any updates with that because we hadn't heard about it since roughly this time last year when we last went into the Mike Czech Republic. There had not been any news. I was wondering because all Netflix shows have been suspended due to the coronavirus outbreak, the pandemic, uh, if there was any news. I couldn't find freaking none. Okay, mm. I couldn't find one freaking news. Okay, about this shit. I tried so hard. I'd become an investigative journalist in the last year since we did this, and let me tell you, still no freaking news. Uh, but I did something else instead. I went onto Google.com, searched Mike Myers' names, hit the news tab, and there is a new story for you right now. What? Yes. Here is the latest headline. This is from showbizcheatsheet.net. And the headline is, What is Mike Myers' net worth and how did he become famous? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. And I was like, well, you know, I can send you away to a primary resource that can tell you everything. But this is what they say about that. Mike Myers is a comedy legend who's known for portraying iconic characters like Dr. Evil and Shrek. But the actor, producer, director, and screenwriter has a dynamic resume that spans over 30 years. So what is Mike Myers' net worth and how did he become famous? (laughs) And the answer, would you believe, is... 
that he appeared in TV shows and movies. I'll summarize <laughs> it to you there that he had a, the the little the points are how Mike Myers became famous. I talk about how he was on SNL and yada yada yada. And then the next headline is he had a successful film career. And then finally, what is Mike Myers' net worth? Now this is the this is the nice little nut of the article. And if I'm anything, I'm a little squirrel for that nut. I love to nut. With an illustrious TV and film career under his belt, Myers has racked up a notable wealth. According to Celebrity Net Worth, as of 2020, the 56-year-old comedian is worth $175 million. Jeez, that's that's pretty significant chunk of change right there. Yeah, yeah. That's a big, that's a big nut, dude. That's a huge nut. And I've seen... I've seen a few big nuts on my screen in my yeah. time. Yeah, I've looked up pictures of bignuts.com and let me tell you, not any of them are that big. That's one of the biggest nuts I've ever even dreamt of. Yeah, and you've dreamt of some big ass nuts, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we know Mike Myers is rich. Mike, if you're listening to this, uh, you know the performing arts here in Australia could use a little bit of chunk of change or that. Oh yeah, big me- time. Just one one of those millions would be really good, you know? Send us a few shekels and then maybe, you know, send us a couple of yucks as well. Mike, could you send us a couple of shrekels, which is the currency here <laughs> in the Mike Jack Republic? We'd pay for everything with shrekels, okay? <laughs> oh, my God. Shall we dive into Terminal? Baba, I'm dying to. That was me pressing pause on the podcast (laughs) to take a little moment to plug Generation Batuta, a new podcast brought to you by the Batuta Advocate, only available now on Spotify. Generation Batuta is a half-hour news segment on the country's premier station, Desert Rock FM. The show is hosted by Louis Burke, who fiercely brings the truth to the most often forgotten Australian demographic, the youth. Covering the most important issues in the nation, pill-testing, Sniffer dogs and weird sex stuff to make sure you listen until the end. Generation Batuta also keeps you up to date with national and world news, as well as the incidents that are isolated to Batuta. The show often features investigative reports, social issues and discussion via the text line, as well as interviews with interesting people, experts and politicians before topping it all off with ripping tune banger from the most erect new artists. (laughs) It's all presented by Louis Berg, the questionably older voice of the youth who is joined by social justice reporter Katrina Sacramento and youth gonzo journalist at Evan97, <laughs> who risk life, limb and clout to bring you the stories that matter to you and the other five members of your share. Plus with a controversial mayor, racist cooking show and deforestation that is endangering dozens of native bush dwarfs. It goes without saying, there's a lot to unpack, but Louis and the Generation Batuta team will be able to do it with the open ears of the woke youth and the open mouth of entitled, privately educated adults. 
It's funny, dude. Check it out or just honestly go to heck. What do you think of that? I think that sounds great. I can't wait for it. Let's have a little listen to of what it sounds like right now. G'day, listeners. Louis Burke here with Generation Batuta. The stories that matter to you and the other five members of your share house. Open your ears and blow your minds as our weekly youth program brings you stories about pill testing, climate change, and a cheeky story about sex to make sure you listen until the end. I am. You are. We are. Generation Batuta. Generation Batuta. Tune in now on Desert Rock FM, or if you don't live in Batuta, listen free, only on Spotify. Man, I'm so excited for this podcast. I think the Batuta Advocate guys do so much exciting stuff with Australian comedy right now. It's so the cutting edge of what feels like uh, Australian comedy has been building up to. It's beautiful satire. And not only that, I know that my dearest friend, Cameron James, is on this freaking podcast. I mean, I do a couple of voices for it. They... You're the star, you I'm told me. I'm not the star. I You've never said I was the star. for months that I'm the star of this <laughs> I show. said I do two voices in the fucking thing. Look, you said, sit down, I'm about to tell you something amazing. I'm the star of this new podcast. I go, <laughs> okay, okay, what is it? <laughs> I love Batuta. I love those guys. They make me laugh every day. I'm jealous of them because they write better satire than I do most mm-hmm. of the time. And that pisses me off because yes. your job is <laughs> my job is to write satire. <laughs> <laughs> so I love Batuta Advocate and you guys are going to love Generation Batuta. Listen to it on Spotify. It's funny as fuck. It's funny, it's sexy, it's cool, and baby, that's what I like about it. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Why don't you piss off, old man? Mind your own business. Supervisor. Night supervisor. Duties to include sweeping of concourse and platform, maintenance and attendance of all... Shut up! Tell me something. Do I look to you like the sort of individual that creeps into the station in the dead of night, breaks open the locker, removes the suspicious-looking briefcase, and then lets the cleaner... Night supervisor. Run off and tell two tales about it. Do I not strike you more as the sort of highly motivated, highly vicious individual that would not kill said night supervisor and stuff him in the locker? Acceptable forms of payment at the terminal are as follows. Cash, banker's drafts, 
certified checks up to the value of the return journey. <laughs> <laughs> Like you, you're funny. <laughs> all right, Sue, all right, okay. Oh, mum's the word, Sue. Oh, all right, son. When rich billions have need of poor ones, poor ones make what price they will. Terminal from 2018 is directed by Vaughn Steen. This guy doesn't even have one first name, dude. <laughs> His name's Vaughn Steen. <laughs> oh, God. All right, tell me more about it. Okay. Revenge never looked so good. Hmm. That's the tagline. Talking about Mike, I presume. Uh, In the dark heart of a sprawling anonymous city, two assassins carry out a sinister mission. A teacher battles a fatal illness and an enigmatic janitor and a curious waitress lead dangerous double lives. Murderous consequences unravel in the dead of night as their lives intertwine at the hands of a mysterious criminal mastermind who is hell-bent on revenge. Mmm, spooky stuff. So this is a plot synopsis unlike any other Mike Myers movie. Yeah, unless, you know, the janitor was Austin Powers or something. Like, it's not too mm. far removed from, like, a spy thriller kind of thing. Yes. But it's this is not funny. This is not a funny movie. This movie no. is played for serious. It's played for serious right now, okay, dude? This yeah. is a serious movie. It's one of the most serious films ever made. This movie That is, stars Mike Myers. Well, for starters, I, I don't even know if I can call it a movie. I think it's a film. Holy smoke. Yeah, man. Are you straight up saying this is a film? Well, I mean, you've got to look at what you've got there. You've got um, you've got Dark Shadows. Mm-hmm. You've got... Um, and not to be confused with the collaboration between Tim Burton and Johnny Depp. Dark Shadows. I would also say that's a film. Yeah, of course. It's one of the most famous films ever made. Because it's got Dark Shadows in it. Yeah. Um, you've got crazy twists. Mm-hmm. You've got... Um, insane turns. Insane turns. You've got references to f- classic literature. Yes, you've got something that plays. Tim Burton absolutely loves. It's got freaking Alice in Wonderland flying out of the wazoo right now. So this movie officially, I think you have to say, is a film. But I will say it is a shit film. And I would say... I don't know. It's it's. I just would say it's not my cup of tea. You know? Yeah, but we all know that you like your cup of tea to be a little bit nutty. Yes, I do like my tea nutty, okay? (laughs) I love to put a nut in my tea. (laughs) (laughs) I love to slurp it up. I love it to be in and around my mouth to leave a mark. And then I love to describe it as it's a bit nutty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's your favorite way of having tea. Now, let me just say that... um, Look, I feel I feel bad for saying it's a shit film. Mm. It's it's not shit. It's just so fucking self-important. 
And it's really strange. Like, this is such a weird departure that Mike Myers, who has not appeared in a film since as a lead since The Love Guru, yeah. and we know how that turned out. The we best sure movie did. ever made. Best we know movie that. in the last 20 years. Yeah, last 20 years, best movie, better than Austin, better than Wayne's World, all of that <laughs> shit. It makes those little films look like good movies, whereas this is a masterpiece. <laughs> but, you, you know, we had been tracking for a long time what Mike's next move was, what we hoped it would be, what we predicted it would be. And I remember after we went through Inglorious Bastards, we both thought, I think this was more a Cameron thing, that was like, we would see, you would like to see him appear as a character actor in some roles. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? This is, we were given exactly that. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same year, 2018, I think we got Terminal and Bo-Rap. Yeah. Um, two character actor performances that yeah. seem good on paper. Yes. And, it, you know, he's he's good. I'll, I'll say this. He was the standout of this film for me. Mm-hmm. Every time he was on screen, I was happy. I was elated. I was excited. Yes. But You're feeling the, the emotions the movie, that you had not felt in a long time. Yeah, like 10 years, basically. Exactly. But, um, but like, the rest of the movie is, it's like, I can't even describe it. Like, it's it's mm. it's beyond batshit insane. It's, it's more like um, Batman and Robin rather than batshit insane. Like, this looks yeah, like a Joel yeah, yeah. Schumacher Batman movie with these bright colors, these neon lights, just trying to do, like, this neon noir thing. It's a little bit Sin City. It's a little bit Smoke and Aces, dude. And yeah, it's I'll... more Smoke and Aces than yeah. Sin City. It's more Seven Psychopaths than In Bruges. Mm-hmm. It's more, um, like... Only God forgives than drive, yeah. I think. And you know, there are parts of it that look very cool and very stylish, but it's so much. It's like it mm. never fucking lets up the style. It's like you're watching a bunch of university projects mm. in a row. Like there's yeah. no there's no substance. It's just style. Yeah, truly. It, it reminds me of, um, do you remember Zack Snyder made this film probably 10 years ago called Sucker Punch? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's <clears throat> got that same kind of thing where it's like, it's all fantasy, it's all a dream, it could be anything. It's got this idea, like that Samuel Beckett shit, like how Samuel yeah. Beckett, all his stuff, like from Waiting from waiting for Godot to Endgame yeah. and all of those things, it's uh, set in kind of like this imagined dystopian world where there's characters that are not... Let me just tell... I don't know how else to say it. There's characters that are just delivering dialogue. Like, it's yeah, not... Yeah, yeah. They're not like, people. They're, they're not ideas. People. They're tropes. They're, yes. Like, there's two hitmen that are stuck in a house together waiting to do a job that's literally ripped from the dumbwaiter. And the whole point of them is to deliver this kind of Martin McDonough, mm-hmm. Quentin Tarantino light, like back and forth. Yeah. And then you've got the waitress played by Margot Robbie, whose whole purpose is to be this kind of um, elusive Alice in Wonderland, mm. mysterious, um, sexy character. Yeah. And then, yeah. You've Simon got Simon Pegg's Pegg. Depressed teacher is the one who just quotes Shakespeare all the time and mm-hmm. gives you all the literary references. Yeah. And then Mike 
Mike plays the janitor. Yes. Who is like the... Uh, I mean, who would he be in this kind of fable? He's like the... <clears throat> the white the rabbits, the head, yeah. something like that. Maybe the Mad Hatter as well. Like he's yes. this kind of crazy Greek chorus almost who seems to know everything that's going on mm. as he just limps around this underground railway station interacting with everybody and you know, he seems to know them all and seems to be like a puppeteer behind a lot of it. It's a good performance. It's good. It's nice to see him as well doing this because basically this is like a very highly stylized, high tension in a way, like weird stylistic thriller. And he is doing a Mike Myers performance in it. Like everyone else is doing a take on like a a noir character. Like you've got uh, Margot Robbie being the femme fatale. Everyone else has kind of got that really uh, noir intriguing slowly slowly spilling out style of uh stylized dialogue and then mike myers is full-on doing like fat bastard doing austin powers (laughs) he's playing like this little weird uh a little weird janitor who's got some magic realism about him like everyone else he's got a little bit of a limp a little skip in his step he's uh he's often scared he's a low status character it's a full-on mike performance like it's the kind of character that Mm -hmm. it's not too far removed from things he's done in his own comedies really like Mm. It could be a bizarre character in the Austin Powers universe, this janitor who's kind of like a bit mystical and magical, Mm. who's cleaning up crime scenes and stuff. You know, it doesn't feel like it's out of step for Mike, but it does have a pretty huge twist. Yes. Is it, there's nothing like this. Before we get to the twist, maybe we'll talk a little bit about this movie a little bit more. And then we can get to the twist. Because I don't know if anyone will watch this movie. <laughs> I don't think anyone will. I don't think anyone did. It's like, you know, I don't want to shit on something for trying to mm. be different. Because, to be fair, it is pretty different to, like, all the other mm. movies that came out in the last couple of years. The, the only problem is, just because something's different doesn't mean it's good. Like... Mm. It's it's trying to be its own thing, and I yep. respect that. But 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 like, I'd rather just watch a better movie. Or like, and it's just know, a little late. I would say that this is a little late, late in the game. If this was coming out ten years ago with your or fifteen years ago if you're smoking aces and stuff like that, I feel yeah. like now it's like they would have to be doing something really wild and different. Or nail the screenplay and story in this. This is the debut film of Vaughn Steen. I don't want to go too hard on him because I think he shows promise with this. I think he shows oh, promise with sure. this. This is also the producing debut of Margot Robbie, who in the couple of years since this came out has gone on to become, I would say, one of the great actor producers who will go on to be who, who I would say who has gone on to become a fantastic actor producer. Uh, much like a Mike Myers or a Tom Cruise, someone who's a lead of the project and becomes the auteur of that project and allows auteurs to jump on and do their thing with it, uh, much like Tom Cruise would do with like Mission Impossible and stuff. Uh, from This was her first one. The next one that she did was I, Tonya. I, Tonya, mm. 
I like the movie. <laughs> I Tonya, I love ya. I'm trying to get the DVD cover for the for the I next. I Tonya, I'm fond of ya. Oh God, you did a better one. I Tonya, I watched ya on a plane. Okay. It's a great plane movie, but I saw it in the cinema and it was a great cinematic experience too. Okay? Yeah, I think I is way better than this movie. It's a huge step up. Like I don't mm. want to shit on Vaughn Stein. Vaughn, you know, you're lacking in a first name, but you, what you lack in a first name, you make up for mm-hmm. in cojones. You've got huge, big-ass nuts, Vaughn. You've got huge nuts. These nuts are huge. These nuts are tremendously large. They're some of the biggest nuts I've seen offline. These nuts are outrageous in stature, size, and girth. And it's all out there on the screen, man. You've got Simon Pegg doing Mm -hmm. something different. You've got Dexter Fletcher ripping it up and schlipping it up. (laughs) And he's making us laugh, dude. You've got huge cojones. Bigger than ones I've seen on the internet. Bigger than the ones I've seen IRL Stein. IRL Stein. IRL Stein. (laughs) Is that your new character? Yes, IRL Stein, okay? (laughs) It's like, what if Goosebumps was real life? Goosebumps And that's what this movie kind of is. Goosebumps gets real. Yeah, this movie... Oh, God. Okay, yeah. So, I don't want to shit on him too much. He's done an okay job. But I will just say that why watch... Why would you watch Terminal when you already have in Bruges and when you yeah. already have, like, the films of Nicholas Vindig Refn and mm. Wonka Wai and stuff? Like, it's riffing on these things that are too recent, in my opinion. Can I tell you and maybe offer you an answer to why you would watch this. Yeah. It's got freaking Mike Myers in it. That's the only reason we watched it. Do you think that it, like, you know, okay, let me, okay. Theoretically hypothetical scenario. Okay. Margot Robbie is a producer. She's trying to get her first project as a producer off the ground. She wants a low stakes star vehicle for her. She wants to birth new talent. So what is she doing? She's like, okay, this sounds interesting. She would have probably seen like the script and some test reel footage from Vaughn Steen. Uh, also wanting to make his debut as a director. He'd been second unit director and assistant director on movies like Beauty and the Beast, Dad's Army, The Danish Girl, Elementary, stuff like that. And she uh, she gets him. They're trying to cast this freaking movie. I am going to put two things to you, okay? Margot Robbie is Australian. Do you think Margot Robbie could be a member of the Mike Czech Republic? <laughs> And she, she, she's listening to this or she's aware of it. A friend of hers is listening to it or something. And she's like, wow, Mike Myers getting in her head that way. Mike Myers got to get this guy on board. That's option one. Option B, my other idea is Margot Robbie is Australian. She's the same age as we are. Roughly. She's a bit older than me. She's about your age. I'm younger. I'm younger than you and Margot Robbie. I'm a bub, basically. I've got my whole life ahead of me, I hope. And, like, lots of exciting opportunities coming ahead. I've been, like, basically a prodigy my whole life and stuff like that. Anyway, so I'm getting off track. Uh, let me get back on board. You're you're Sorry. in love with yourself. <laughs> I'm Vanity Smurf, my hero. You are a freaking 
Narcissus himself. I'm Narcissus. Didn't I love looking into the pool? <laughs> and the other option is she's Australian. She's roughly our age. She, I posit to you that she could also have the same love and fascination with Mike Myers because she would have been receiving the same media of Mike Myers the same way that we did at the same time. You know what? I think you might be onto something there. I think it's a generational thing. Mm-hmm. That while... The older generation had looked over Mike and said, he's done, he's washed mm-hmm. up, he's a has-been, he's got a pudding face, mm-hmm. his haircut sucks, he buys his clothes off the <laughs> rack. He... <laughs> off the rack and too long, he doesn't tailor them in. The guy has $175 million in the bank and he's not tailoring his clothes. And then there's guys like us, there's guys like Margot, who go, no, 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 he's, he's a genius and he will mm-hmm. have his day of... Renaissance, and we got a touch mm-hmm. of it, and I'm going to bring it we got to a him. Touch of it with Tommy Maitland, but not quite enough. And maybe yeah. she said, "Yeah, we're going to give it to him. Let's give him a role that is so good that he cannot refuse." And that role turned out to be the um, fat, squat, little limping janitor who whistles <laughs> "Danny Boy." In Terminal, yeah, a movie that no one has heard of. No one has heard of. But <laughs> let me tell you, I watched the, I bought the Blu-ray of this like two years ago, almost. <laughs> I bought the Blu-ray of it. It's here. I'm showing it to you over the over the yep, camera. There it, it is. Um, it's got special features on there. I watched them all. The cast of Terminal, building the world of Terminal, and from concept to creation. So I watched the cast talk about this movie. Margot Robbie, when it came time to start discussing Mike Myers in this, she said, and I quote, it was mind-boggling working with Mike. She, like, absolutely loved him. She loved him. She was such a fan of him. She said it was mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. It sounds like she was starstruck by Mike Myers. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Did, did they shed any insight on how he got cast in the movie? He said that he wanted to do the movie. Mike says he did this movie because of the twists and turns. It feels like a dream and it appealed to him as a genre study. And that checks out, baby. The Mike check tick is coming up on this one. I'm checking it. It's Mike because if we know anything about Mike Myers, the guy absolutely, the funny cunny, loves genre. Loves genre. He loves it. You know, we look at... Austin Powers, it's a genre pastiche. Yes. We look at Wayne's World, it's a homage to rock and roll music, a genre of music Mike like. We look at Love Guru, it's a mm-hmm. brown face genre. Yes, it's his homage to the party. Peter Sellers, his hero, when he did fucked up shit like that. <laughs> And he did. Mike didn't do brownface. He played a white guy in the movie. Okay? I know, I know. I've seen it. He's a, the only yes, white guy. He has got auburn, beautiful auburn chestnut hair. His yes. face is veering towards Be pudding dead. at this point, but um, yes, not. It's not full pud. Not full pud. Okay, <laughs> he doesn't have the the pud haircut going on. I guess. <laughs> But I would say that this is this this checks out that this is why Mike would want to do this to apply his skills to genre once again. Let's talk about the twist. Uh, this is the mm-hmm. 
This is a dance move that started in the <laughs> 1960s, I believe. Yeah, maybe early, late 1950s. They were doing the twist, just like late they 1950s, did. early 1960s, when surf music and uh, rhythm and blues really came into its own, and teenagers would swivel their hips to and fro. Yep. And the men would get absolutely rock hard in their pants, and the women. The men were much like the most popular star of their era. They were Rock Hudson, dude. They were Rock Hudson, and the women—they weren't too. Uh, you know, they, they had a few things going on down there as well. And I, yes, we won't say. We, I don't it's need not to for say us what, to say. But, but if you Google what happens to women when they get aroused, you will learn a thing or two, and you'll get yep. a bit of an idea about. What was going on inside those hoop skirts in the 1950s? <laughs> so Google that. That's the phrase you can look up. Look up what happens beneath those hoop skirts in the 1950s when the twist is going on. And you might get a better idea for vision's sake of what we are freaking talking about right now. We, it's not for us to say it's a little bit too prudy, like a yeah, little bit yeah, too yeah. blue for us to talk about, you know. We're prudes. We're, we're prude dudes. Yeah, we're we don't talk dudes. about that kind of stuff. But we will talk about the big stiffies the fellas had. <laughs> And the fellas had some Rock Hudson stiffies in this era. <laughs> they were strong, they were proud, they were stiff, and they were mighty. And those fellas love seeing those ladies do the twist. <laughs> and that is why where the term comes from, because it's something... The twist seems innocent enough, but it elicits something that is unexpected, which is a stiff penis and whatever is happening underneath <laughs> those hoop skirts. I think I know, because I've Googled it just now, and it's... um. It's really exciting stuff. It's not as yeah. funny as a stiffy. It's but... not funny, but it's it's really interesting. <laughs> it's really interesting. <laughs> but it's not for us to say. It's no. not our business. That's lady business. We only deal with men business, okay? Yep, yep, yep. But let's talk less about the dance move, um, even though I could talk about it for another hour. <laughs> for another 68 minutes or something. <laughs> yeah. Minimum. But but let's talk about the uh, the, the other twist in this film, yes. the twist that Mike was drawn to, which mm-hmm. is that his character, the janitor, is yes. secretly the criminal mastermind behind it all. Yes, he has been the one pulling the strings, okay? We're used to him pulling the pud, but not the strings. <laughs> He has been the Machiavellian mastermind, the Don Vito Corleone of it all, the puppet master, just like the title cover of The Godfather on DVD. Just above that title, there is a little hand, a little cartoon of a hand (laughs) with a little marionette puppet string, okay? Yeah, yeah, that's my favourite cartoon. Yeah, it's that little hand with the little strings. Yeah, that's kind of what this character is. He is... um... He's a, a man who I believe runs a network of hitmen mm-hmm. who are sent out to do crimes. And then he sends the janitor to clean it up, but the janitor is himself. So no and one. And he likes cleaning it. No one expects that he would be the man in charge. And there's a moment in this movie, very usual suspectsy, where mm-hmm. the janitor enters a room and his limp disappears. And then he straightens up his posture and then he mm-hmm. removes his grubby uniform and these fucked up teeth and prosthetics and stuff from his face. And then he slicks his hair back and he looks 
actually quite dapper and cool. Yeah. He's got a little turtleneck on, and this guy's neck is totally enough for the Turtle Club. Mike <laughs> looks stunning. To see Mike in El Natural, when was the last time you saw El Natural Mike on screen like this? Oh, God. It's been such a long time. I mean, to be fair, his hair is like platinum blonde. Stunning. Like, do you think that worked for him? He looks like Andy Warhol. Yeah, he does look cool. He looks like a pudding-faced Andy Warhol, and I love it. <laughs> He looks great. He he carries himself well. His accent changes from "Hello, mm. Governor, what's going on down there on the janitor?" to "Well, hello there. I am, of mm. course, Mister Farnsworth, and I am the criminal mastermind behind it all." Mm. It's classic, Mike. If I may be so bold, this moment, this turn, this twist is the Mikeest touch. Oh, baby. I think i got to agree with you. These final 20 minutes are freaking insane. They're yeah. crazy stuff. And yeah. it's so enjoyable because I think this is when the movie just finally accepts like, oh, we're amping it up. This is like a really crazy, silly, uh, hypo. This is a really crazy, silly take on genre. And now we're just ex- embracing it. Margot Robbie's revealed that she's been twins the whole time. And Mike's like, uh, twins, Basil. <laughs> He goes Mike's- like he his glasses go askew, and he goes mm-hmm. a little bit cross-eyed, and he goes <laughs> <laughs> twins, twins, twins. It's really goes, sexy. Oh, he's like fuck me, fuck you, twins. <laughs> so I love that. Like the last twenty minutes, <laughs> Can every- I also just say uh, we're we're on Facetime right now with each other, and Cameron did a beautiful. 100% accurate act out of Mike Myers exasperated when he saw twins. It was <laughs> it was a perfect screen recreation. He committed to it, and it was the best shit I've ever seen. <laughs> well, just because we're in ISO doesn't mean we can't be rocking out and mm-hmm. doing act outs for our buddies. Yeah. So, just because uh, we're in ISO doesn't mean that we can't IO, Improv Olympic. It's a comedy club where they teach you how true, to do improv. That's true. Del Close, yeah. the guru. So I love this final 20 minutes because it's every, every like 30 seconds, there's a new twist. Yeah. And it just, it's like stuff that they could have saved for a sequel. (laughs) Like if they were trying to build a world here that we'd want to revisit, I feel like (laughs) there's about 10 twists in the end that are all things that would have been perfectly fine (laughs) to save for a sequel. The next, so the twist number one, you find out that Mike has been the Machiavellian puppet master bad guy. Twist number two, and also, I to be honest, we were already predisposed to believe that because there's all these phone conversations with that character, and I know Mike's pattern of speech instantly. Even though they've got like voice modulation on it and stuff like that, I go, "That's Mike Myers' voice. I know. I can hear. I know the way that he talks. I can hear the pattern in his voice. I can hear the way he's pausing, the way he hangs on certain words. I know the guy's voice like the back of my hand, which is not a comparative medium, but I know it. So I knew that. Then you find out Margot Robbie is. Twins, twins, Basil, and twins. You, you're you're sitting at home when there's two of them on screen. You have a reaction that's just like this. <laughs> For everyone at home right now, Alexi over Facetime just did an absolutely spot on, like 
act out of Austin Powers being like so horny and breathless about something that he wasn't expecting to see. Yeah, that's it's the only reaction you can have to finding out that hot chicks can be twins. Yeah, and then right, I reckon less than twenty seconds after that twist, which should be the end of the movie. Yeah, and but also like, like, why are they twins? It does it to me hasn't mattered to me that they're two people at all. I guess, you know what, I think it's because there's moments where one character is talking to her in the in the cafe mm. while at the same time another character is talking to her at the strip club. Oh. So you're supposed to assume that it's time jumps or something or she's a bit yeah. magical, but really it's just because there's two of her. Whoop-de-doo, Basil. Whoop-de-doo. Whoop de doo, bitch! I think this doesn't. I think that this doesn't work. I didn't care because this is a fantasy world. Like if this was just set in London, like if this wasn't some weird anonymous purgatory-like city, like this is in every play where it's like, oh, they're actually in purgatory. Like this is a fucking Christopher Moltisanti nightmare or something like this. Yeah, the (laughs) The whole thing is a fucking Sopranos nightmare. It's like exhausting how much of purgatory it is. Even when there's a part where Simon Pegg's waiting for a train. And um and the janitor's like, what train are you waiting for, governor? And Simon Pegg goes, it doesn't matter. Just any train. And you're like, ugh, yeah. okay, all right. So he's like, okay, in limbo. Dude. We get it. Fuck off. There's like, some fuck off limbo bullshit. But then all the rest of the... Then this movie goes, no, it's actually real, okay? Simon Pegg was a molester, a high school teacher molester. It's like, okay, they have high schools in this world. I guess it can't be hell. Let me Maybe tell you, that, that <laughs> twist... <laughs> Was was one of the more upsetting things mm. that I've seen on a, on a film in a long yeah. time. Like it was up there for me with the um, tunnel scene in Irreversible. It was like I was traumatized by the idea of Simon Pegg being a rapist. Yeah, it's and, not a, good. and a pedophile rapist. Yeah, like, I didn't need that in my life. And I don't think the movie needed it either. It just felt gratuitous and gross. And I was like, mm. come on, man. It's fucking Shaun of the Dead. You're going to make him play a pedophile rapist in your movie? I think that's why it reminded me of uh, Sucker Punch, because that has all that grubby stuff in it as well, where yeah, she's yeah. like in a mental institution. She's about to be lobotomized. She's had all this sad shit in her life, creepy, leery dudes. That whole movie feels creepy and leery, whereas this movie doesn't feel like that at all, which is pleasant when comparing these two shit movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. doesn't feel like there's any consequence to anything. And it's mm. just like weird to kind of bring this reality to it at this point, late in the game. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It's like, uh, it's like the whole thing with the last Star Wars movie where, <laughs> you know, you find out that Rey is related to the Emperor and then yep. that forces you to reckon with the image of the Emperor getting a freaking stiff knob. Yeah. And p- poking it under a hoop skirt, I guess. Yeah, and, and then from there we have... We can't, we it's not our business know. to say from there. We yeah. have no idea. We have no idea why the Emperor, why they decided the Emperor has to be, you have to have the image of the Emperor slapping at Raw Dog style, okay? Don't know yeah, why they yeah. did that. But then and there's this another movie twist. does that with Simon Pegg where it's like, he's, this guy's not even a real person. He's mm-hmm. just a, he's just a guy who quotes literature and talks about nihilism and then so he's all cool. of a sudden. We thought he's cool this whole time because he talks yeah, about stuff Yeah, we thought he was cool. Cool guy Simon stuff. Pegg. And then all of a sudden we find out he's a pedophile and a rapist and he dies. 
Then you find out that Janet is the mastermind. Then you mm-hmm. find out that Margot Robbie is actually twins, Basil. And then 20 seconds later, you find out that also Mike Myers is her dad. <laughs> yes, Mike Myers is her dad who had sex with her mom and then she found out he was a gangster and left the family and stuff like that. And so he killed the mom in a fire and the yep. two daughters escaped. Two two twin daughters mm-hmm. who then went to a orphanage where they were raped by Simon Pegg mm-hmm. and then grew up to be a hit uh, hitman team with the sole purpose of killing Mike Myers. But they boss. don't kill him. They lobotomize him. They like they lobotomize him. Yeah, puncture his brain and then send him to Neverland, or no Wonderland, mm-hmm. which is I guess just like a mental institution. Um, it was all too much for me. It was all unraveling at this speed of like twist after twist after twist after like bullshit fake out reveals. It it mm. reminded me the only thing I can compare it to, and even stylistically, this works is the last, like, half hour of the movie Cats, where... Mm. Your favourite film. My favourite film, where it's just, like, overwhelming visual Mm. and story nonsense. Nothing makes sense, but there's all this mythology unfolding in front of you, and it's just... It was too much. I couldn't. The cope look with of it. this movie is very much like Cats. Very as well, much like Cats. Where it's like the, it almost like this bigger constructed set world, and there's lots of that bright neon light stuff. Lots of posters or fake shit up everywhere. It's like could be this could be the like they look down. These this movie could be set in the same world where they look down and they've got these weird anthropomorphic cats the size of their knees. That could be the <laughs> that could be what this movie is. That these people look down, they've got cats that are walking around on their hind legs on their knees, dancing and slinking about, and then the size of their hand, they've got freaking cockroaches. <laughs> Disgusting. Mike Myers and Rebel Wilson could have been in this movie together. Exactly, dude. Oh, oh my God. Okay, replace Margot for another Aussie superstar with Rebel. Better movie? Do you think to make this a comedy is better? To make it a comedy, yeah, but I think it's a worse movie. (laughs) To have Rebel Wilson in it. I wouldn't watch that fucking movie at all. No, even if it had Mike Myers in it, I still wouldn't watch it. Like, let's be honest, the main reason that this movie exists is because Mm. Margot Robbie is... Obviously, she's a great actor, but she's, like, beautiful. Mm. The whole character is built around her being beautiful and her being able to seduce people. And the tagline is, revenge never looked so good. Like, it's, it's all about Margot and the way she looks. Everyone else is disgusting in this world. There's a fucking... Big plot twist where you find out that the two hitmen who've been waiting for their mm. order f- for like the hit they're about to do, the twist is that they actually w- were waiting to kill each other, which is yep. ripped off directly from the dumb waiter, yep. um, which was a play that I studied in high school. By and- is Martin McDonough? No, it's not McDonough, but McDonough ripped that off for In Bruges. It's yeah, In Bruges basically has the same plot. Um, it's just like, it's just constantly referencing things that already exist and doing Mm. it in a way that we've already seen done better. And then everyone's disgusting. Everyone's like vile and gross. Even Margot Robbie, who's the hero is like irredeemable and disgusting Mm. in this movie. 
Yeah. There's no real... You know, I'm watching this movie and go, what's the point, Vanessa? Yeah. You know? There's no... It's... I think the point would be, like you said, this is a fairly easy go dry run for Margot Robbie to make, uh, to produce a film as a lead and producer, to put her stamp on it. Low, low stakes dry run, small movie, tiny, tiny release. It was barely released anywhere. Uh, Also, you know, she can work with some actors that she likes. Like Dexter Fletcher, great actor. Who wouldn't want to work with him? Yeah, he's actually, he's a real highlight of this movie. He's really Mm. great. And then, you know, I think Margot's got the same taste in comedy as us because she's the same age from the same part of the world. So she's like Mike Myers, Simon Pegg. I want to work with these two funny guys that I like. Yeah. And I think that's that's the reason they are cast in this movie. It's by a young director with some promise who has worked in the industry for some some years as an AD, as a second unit guy. And um, I'm like, yeah, it's cool. She's giving someone a hand up. That's a good thing to do as an early producer credit to just give someone a leg up. You know, hopefully you're breaking new talent. And then uh, it's in line with what she has done since. Like, I, Tonya is, uh, you know, it's a Goodfellas riff. And this is like a crime riff. Then she does Birds of Prey as a producer, which is very much sits in that world as well, where it feels yeah. like Birds of Prey feels like freaking if uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world had a gangster movie set in it. <laughs> and I really, I really, really enjoyed Birds of Prey. So I, I think Margot Robbie is like a superstar producer of the future, like truly superstar producer of the future. And I think that this film is, hmm, it's just like we're checking it and it's okay, but it barely exists. Like this is, of all the things we've ever done, I'm going to check it. I'm going to say it's good, but it barely exists. I'm going to check it and say uh, it's interesting and I think that there's some moments in it that are quite like ballsy, as we've already mm-hmm. said. Vaughn Stein, Margot Robbie, you, you all got huge-ass nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think it's like <laughs> I would never watch it again. Yeah, I own it on Blu-ray, so I guess I'll try and <laughs> chuck it on sometime. Um, I have a question to ask you before we wrap this up. Yes, yes, and yes. Please don't get offended by it. Don't mm-hmm. take it the wrong way. But I promise I won't. I'm going to take it with an open heart, open mind, and open ass. Lay it to me. Did this film at any point make you horny? Cameron, I will answer this. I will tell you that... It made me tingly, baby, I would say. It edged me onto making me horny. It got me very close because it delivered things that I want. It made me... I saw a new movie with Mike Myers as a supporting character. Mike Myers also technically plays dual multiple roles in this shit, doing multiple voices, multiple performances, different characterizations for these two different personalities of this character for seemingly no reason. Like, why is he playing the janitor? Why is this guy pretending to be the janitor? No reason for it, apart from to delight me that Mike Myers gets to go, at 6pm, the train is going to come in here. Oh, hello, Sergeant, and stuff like that. And doing very much a classic Mike Myers, stressed out, insane character performance. Um, I think this is almost like Philip the Hyper Hypo's dad or something, what he's doing. <laughs> like if Tommy Maitland was Simon, the bath boy's dad, I would yeah. say that the janitor is Philip the Hyper Hypo's dad because <laughs> it's like a strange, weird little man. And yeah. then it's um, from then 
it's getting me excited because I'm like seeing these little micus touches. I'm seeing these little images coming at me that have mic on it at 24 frames per second. I'm getting mic, and that's all I can want. Usually, that's enough to make me horny, but because it had been so long between between nuts dude since yeah i thought that you know i'd been edging since 2013 basically getting new mike myers content and now i'm seeing it you expect when you see this it's going to be so good it's going to make you bust a whole load out but i didn't <laughs> quite get there the load was minimal little yes i was satisfied enough it was a little pitter patter out there but it was not a full horny load so i'm going to say yes by a touch Okay, yes by a hair. Cameron, can I ask you a question? Yeah, please. The question is, did this movie make you horny, baby? <sighs> you know, it's that's a tough one because um, I think if I was 15 years old, the answer would have been a straight up yes. I would have viewed this in the same way that you view Sin City. I would have Mm -hmm. been horny for the neon noir. I would have been horny for the twins. I would have been horny to see my hero playing Mm. a couple of characters there. Yes. If I was a 15-year-old boy, I would have been shooting ropes and spilling yogurt all over. Some of the biggest loads you could imagine. Yeah, and and if I was a 15-year-old, like girl from the 1950s mm-hmm. and I had a hoop skirt on who's yeah. to say what was going on under there anyone can say but us it's not yeah. for us to say what could happen but something undoubtedly would have been happening under that skirt for yeah. sure go on the wikipedia page for 1950s teenagers and there might be some information in there somewhere about it yeah yeah it might be like underneath like um bobby sockets and yeah. rock and roll and like Elvis and Ed or Sullivan watch like show. a season of Happy Days or some shit. Who knows? Maybe it's they go into detail. In Happy there. Days. There's if probably you watch Happy Days. It might be probably explain there. it in Happy Days. Yeah. Maybe Mork from Ork comes down and explains what happens or something. Oh, look under that skirt. Mm, very steamy. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'm gonna have to say, while I was titillated and excited by Mike Myers' presence, mm-hmm. I was not horny. Wow. So this is a split decision. I'm yep. going just horny and you're going just not horny. It's split right down the middle, camel toe style, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Which is something that we legally can't talk about, but you know, it's a little image for you. It's an image for you. But this is this is one that splits a decision. You're saying to the only way you could possibly be horny for this if it came out during possibly the most hormone horny field time of your life as a teenage boy, where even the whirring hum of a computer turning on could elicit the idea of horniness within you. So that's the only way that this movie could make you horny is if that you're already horny nonstop. That's true. Yeah. And I think, you know, these are just some not horny times. <laughs> we're not we're not living in horny times at the moment. No, no, no. We're living in isolated times and while it can be horny to be isolated, it isn't mm-hmm. yet. It's hornier to be titillated. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm glad we talked about this movie. I'm glad we finally watched it. But you know what I'm dreading is the next one that we have to watch. Mm. And we are going to do it. 
Yep. We swore it's been a long time. We saw that we would never do bow rap because we didn't want to. We probably got upwards of like hundred messages going, When are you guys gonna do bow rap? When are you gonna do yeah. bow rap? We're not gonna unwrap the bow, we said. We until didn't want to do it because A, we didn't want to do it, and B, because mm. the director of the film I don't want to say too much about him, but if I had to compare him to any character from any movie, it would be Simon Pegg from Terminal. <laughs> yes, exactly. We have it on good authority that the director of that film is a Simon Pegg from Terminal type. <laughs> but he was fired. He was replaced by someone. If I had to compare them who they would be, yeah. they would be a Dexter Fletcher type from Terminal because Dexter Fletcher, the actor, did direct the movie. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Dexter, Dexter Fletcher. And so he's with Mike. Maybe Mike was the one that made the call. Yeah, maybe. Maybe Mike said, hang on a tick. I've been working with this bloke in the UK. Okay, Mike, why do you have the accent still? Because he's between roles. Oh, okay. Okay, good, good, good. He's trying to figure out, am I the janitor? Am I the evil mastermind? Or am I the Mm -hmm. record guy from Bo Rap, probably? So he's between roles right now. And he suggests Mm -hmm. Dexter Fletcher, and they say, let's give him a shot. Yeah, give this boy a shot. Let him up. Sit behind the camera. He's done a couple of good flicks already. We're going to talk about Bohemian Rhapsody soon. And who would have thought that Bohemian Rhapsody would lead to Oscar wins, nominations, uh, become this humongous success after all the press, and it didn't seem interesting to me at all. And also Mike Myers and Dana Carvey popping up at the Oscars presenting the movie. Crazy. And and who would have thought that... After all of that, like, buzz and hype, not a mm-hmm. single person has talked about the movie since. Only to say that Dexter Fletcher's next movie, the uh, Elton John biopic, Rocket Man, is much better than Bohemian Rhapsody, but why is it not receiving the same attention that Bohemian Rhapsody has received? I, so, didn't, I didn't know he made Rocket Man. He did. He did, man. All right, I'm going to have to check it out, man. He did, man. Check it out, man. You'll love it, man. Cool, I watched man. it the other day, man. It was pretty cool, man. Cool, man. That sounds awesome, man. Yeah, man. So we love movies. We love talking about movies. We love Mike Myers. Do you still love Mike Myers? Of course. Of course I do. Um, I'll, I love him enough to watch Bo Rap in the next couple mm-hmm. of weeks. So, I'm, uh, yeah, that's how much I love him. I felt a tremendous sense of joy seeing him on screen again and an absolute unbridled sense of enthusiasm for when you and I decided that we were going to bring Mike Check back for a couple of flicks. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. It's exciting It's exciting. So I think we should leave it here. I'm Mm -hmm. going to take my cap off. Mm -hmm. And uh, I hope that you all join us on our next journey into the world of Bohemian Rhapsody. I can't wait to watch five minutes of that movie that Mike Myers appears in. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, if you want to hear more from us, we've got another podcast. It's called Total Reboot, where we talk about reboots, remakes, and ripoffs in cinema. Currently, we have got a Stuck Indoors film festival going on where we're talking about Rewindow and the movies that ripped it off like Disturbia, like the classic Australian film Road Games. Uh, we also have a Patreon where you can get access to more content from us, including a podcast called Total Respect, where we pick 
a famous beloved star like an Adam Sandler, uh, like uh, Tom Hanks, Rita Wilson, where we basically do like a little mini mic check about four of their our favorite performances from them. And you also get exclusive access to our private Facebook group, the Cinephile Registry, which is full of people just like you, people that love to laugh, people that love mm-hmm. to yuck it up, people that love flicks, people that love films, and we all just talk shit all day. It's really fun. It's really fun, especially at the moment where, you know, a lot of us are spending a lot more time at home in front of the computer. To be able to have, like, this nice, beautiful community around us has been so wonderful to be sharing stuff about movies and some joy with everyone at the moment. It's been really, really wonderful. Um, so thank you to all of our, all of you that support us. And especially a thank you to Joshua A. You upgraded your pay into patreon you are now at the horny baby tier at six dollars ninety so you are getting a shout out on today's episode josh thank you so much you got so horny about new mic check that you became a true horny baby thank you josh you have made me so happy you've made me feel so excited and to show my respect to you i'm going to tell you everything that happens underneath that skirt we're gonna skirt. be we're gonna post what we understand happens underneath the hoop skirt in the Facebook group. So if you want to find out, and if you can't find it on on Wikipedia, join the Facebook group where we're gonna be talking about everything crazy that could possibly happen up a hoop skirt in the 1950s when fellas are doing the twist with their giant stiff penises. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much, Josh. Thank you so much, everyone. Uh, talk to me on Instagram or Twitter at I am Cameron James, and you are at This Is Alexi, correct? Yes, Baba, that's correct. This is also at Mike Check Pod on Twitter. So tweet, fave, retweet the announcement of this episode so the horny babies can see that we are back and we are bad bitches. <laughs> Bye, babies. It's my check. It's my check. The podcast that Mike buys. And we clear. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.